0: 500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Bill Penny Mitsubishi during May the Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit
1: application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win $5,000 5, with months. our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers out of approved credit, warranty valid for 10 year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details.
3: Just to hear me say this, I'm going to get it out of the way for you. Okay, are you ready? Okay, brace yourself. Oh, no! Your tire's all flat and junk. I can usually do better, but I'm a little tired. Okay, I'll try again later. (laughs) I used to be able to do the whole commercial, (laughs) but I would get tickled around the part where she said, Oh, I got no phone and I would get tickled and I, I wouldn't be able to finish it. Anyways, <clears throat> that's a commercial. You can find it on um YouTube if if you've never heard it or whatever. Um it's uh, a Geico commercial. Uh just look up, just look for the Geico pothole commercial. You won't have a problem finding it. Um <clears throat> my you know, in because This commercial is really old. It's like from 2009 or something like that. And um, the reason I named my show this is because whenever something goes wrong in my house, I'll say that, oh, no, my tires are flat and junk. And so, like, the other day I went to cook um, breakfast and we didn't have any eggs and I opened the refrigerator, and there there refrigerator, and there were no eggs. And I said, "Oh no, my tire's all flat and junk." And my husband laughed his ass off. So I just I, I say it a lot. And today, when I was working on um, my second story, which was supposed to be the criminal mind story, and I couldn't get um anything going. I you know I'm getting some. Choppy Audio, unfortunately I can't do anything about it because Blog Talk actually closed and I guess if it is really, really bad, we'll just have to cancel the show because they're closed for um, July 4th, which could be why it's choppy because there's no one there to, there's no one there to take care of it. So, it's, so is everybody saying it's choppy? I think so. Kind of weird. Okay. Um, we'll go for a little bit and see if it doesn't even itself out. Okay. We'll just go for a little bit and see if it doesn't even out. Um, and if it's really crappy, I'll just delete it from the archive and it will be the mystery show that you guys got to listen to and nobody else gets to listen to ever. Anyways. Um, there I have one other one of those. I deleted a show early on in my um in my broadcast career that only those who listened to it live got to hear the content and no, I won't tell you why I deleted it. It's a secret. It's a secret with a k um, <clears throat> I started my criminal Mind story today. I wrote exactly one hundred words and then I was stuck. Because like my plot was all flat and junk, and so and, and since I've plotted this damn thing seven times, I thought I had it. I I, I thought I did, but I didn't. And so I I I flipped to my Harry Potter story and wrote five thousand words. So obviously I've got a problem in my criminal mind's plot that I haven't quite figured out what it is, and as a plotter. When you're working through your story, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just don't know um, why you have a disconnect with something that you've plotted and, and you've prepared, and it takes you a while to get there. So hopefully, I will figure out what my disconnect is for for my third story before the end of the challenge. Um, And all that jazz. Um, usually, I don't have shows on Saturdays. And most of my shows are on Friday nights. Um, I didn't have a show last night because I wasn't feeling well. And I was like, fuck it. Uh, and so I was going to do it on Sunday, but then I was home and I was here. And I said, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going just gonna to log in and do this. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to log in and do this. Um. <clears throat> I really don't have anything to talk about, but how irritated I am about my plot. See, the thing is, is my plot, you know, about halfway through, like, I don't know, maybe like the third or fourth time I plotted my criminal mind story, I realized that all of my stories were meeting and bonding stories. And then I realized that a lot of the stories on Rough Trade were also meeting and bonding stories. It's like the biggest trope in the Sentinel fandom. You come online and you meet your guide and you bond. It's like meet bond and fuck or come online, meet bond and fuck. And you know, I was like, mm, you know, and so I <laughs> I um rearranged my stargate one a little bit. Um it was still um it, it wasn't quite meet bond and fuck, but it but it was close. And of course my Harry Potter one, um they have a lot of history so it isn't quite the same. Um, as so all of my characters, I've given all of my characters a um, relationship with their guide that kind of um, spans a decade or more. Um, in my first story, John and Rodney met in college. And in my second story, of course, you know, Harry and Hermione um, went to Hogwarts together. So they've known each other since they were 11 years old. And in my third story, I'm going to do... Um, Reed and Aaron Hotchner on criminal minds and of course they've worked together for years not quite a decade but years and so i um wanted to explore um, I didn't want to explore that whole stranger thing over and over and over again. And I stumbled across kind of a series, and I'm calling it the Alpha Chronicles, and each one of my stories. And next year for the Little Black Dress Challenge, which we're going to do every July and, and, until I get tired of it, um, I've picked out three more Sentinels, and I've I've, I've already decided who they're, um, who they're going to be, um, unless I change my mind between now and next July, which is entirely possible. I'm not going to tell you what they are just because just in case I change my mind. Um, What I did do um, is when I plotted um, my Harry Potter, I made Sherlock Holmes the alpha of London, but Sherlock's female. I used to – now, I want to talk about about that actually a little bit because when I first got into fandom, whenever I found a story where a writer had changed the gender of one of the characters, I would get so furious. I would just get so mad. And then um, I don't know when that changed for me. I I really don't. Earlier in the week, I was talking to Jilly. About uh, we were talking about uh, fiction and um, gay romance, and we're talking about uh uh, and, uh. You know what? She's actually on the air, so I'm going to ask her if she's willing to talk about that. Um, hold on one second. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Hey. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me?
1: I can. Okay.
0: Good.
3: Um. Earlier in the week you were talking about your transition from reading het romances to reading um, gay romance,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: um, I think it kind of kind of clues into my whole thing about changing the gender of characters and why suddenly it stopped being a problem for me. So I thought you might want to talk about it a little bit.
1: Sure. So um, when I started reading... Cause I started this reading is Jillie, by the way, guys. Yes, that's me. Um
3: So I started
1: reading romances and then moved into erotica when I was, you know, I probably moved into erotica earlier than I want to admit. But um, it it just was always this sense of I didn't feel good about myself as a female after I read a lot of this stuff because it was so misogynistic. And I think that one of the early appeals for me, other than just, you know, the writing was really hot in, in in gay erotica, was that there was that, misogyny was gone the the playing field got leveled and so um it took that element that i didn't like about feeling like women were being treated as less in stories or whatever out of the equation and i really felt like you know that was really great and then when i started reading fan fiction more and it's not just fan fiction but as women moved more into writing um gay erotica um I noticed that we started getting the misogyny back in a in a kind of covert way, <laughs> because now what would happen, as we've talked about before, in a weird is, way, in a weird way, is you'd feminize one of the characters and then subjugate them the same way a woman would be subjugated, or treat them the it's same so way you would ugly. treat. Oh. It is ugly, and it really puts me off. So it's one of my pet peeves when I'm reading. Is I go, why are we? Because when I when I, I start to get tense, is when I feel like somebody's giving a character. And i not going to even give it a fair chance, because I feel like somebody's getting the character too many what I think of as feminine traits, and I'm just expecting that character to then be treated badly.
3: Yeah, to be subjugated and to be um, weakened and Mm -hmm. um, suddenly be helpless, because not only are they writing one of these male characters as a woman, they're not writing them as a strong woman.
1: Right. And it just feels yucky. It just feels yucky.
0: <laughs> and also, you know,
3: also, I think that whole... We talked about it a long time ago, about Mary Sue's and how that whole Mary Sue thing was kind of misogyny. Because mm-hmm. you couldn't have a strong woman in your in your story because suddenly she was a Mary Sue.
0: Um,
3: she wasn't allowed to be strong or capable, because if you wrote a strong female character, she was automatically um, uh, a Mary Sue.
1: And there was that blatant double standard that you could have strong male characters that were original and not get, uh, there was a little bit of accusing of the Gary Sue thing. But it wasn't as prevalent. I mean, any female OC, especially if she was idealized in any fashion, was a Mary Sue, and you would just get slammed for it. And yet it was okay for male characters to be idealized.
3: And be a badass. I have never got called on um, Super Harry I've never gotten called on that. I'm that Harry Potter super. Nobody ever calls me on that. But if, if I did that to Hermione, I would get the Mary Sue label. I know I would. Mm-hmm. I got called on it one coming, time too. on Tony.
1: I I got one time on Tony that I got called. Of, I got accused of Mary Stewing him. i Gary Stewing him and idealizing him to a ridiculous degree. So I just kind of went. Hmm. Well, nobody seems to mind. I didn't answer
3: for them on the. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I just don't get that from, uh, I don't get that from slash readers too much, but you know what, when I got called a misogynist, it wasn't even for the female character bashing,
0: <laughs>
3: and because I do, I bash the shit out of Jennifer Keller, because I hate her, <laughs> you know, and I bash the shit out of Jenny, Because I hate her. And it's because they're both shallow, two-dimensional characters who honestly got no development and too much time. But I don't get accused of misogyny for that. But then it's perfectly okay in the slash fandom to bash a female character that's in the way of your slash pairing. Just saying Very true Because You know You bash Ginny You bash Hermione To get them Out of the way um, And it's perfectly okay Because Harry's hey, supposed to be with Draco or, or whatever You know And that's okay It's okay to bash Jennifer Keller Because how dare she Get in the way Of their bromance Right that's not why I bash her, because I don't care what happens in canon. If I want two guys to fuck in my story, they're going to fuck. I can rewrite canon to suit me. That's why yeah, it's, it's really it's... easy for me to shift Jennifer around and make her not a complete waste of space. Um,
1: People do anyway. <laughs> your writing a disservice. People do your writing a disservice to think that you can't get Keller out of the way without bashing her. That's obviously your choice, not a necessity. do
0: <laughs> Right,
3: yeah. right. But, you know, in in, in my current story, the, the, the one I just finished for Rough Trade, um, someone said they liked the killer bashing. And I honestly didn't think I bashed her.
1: I didn't think you did either.
3: Because that's the kind of shit she actually did in canon. That's like when you got called out. For not warning for a can event in your n c i s story, come on, people, <laughs> dead air, <laughs> yep, wake up <laughs> that actually happened. I was um I think a lot of times people in fandom either don't watch the entire T V show or they've not watched or they not read the books and they've watched the movies when it comes to Harry Potter and then you throw a can event and you twist it a little bit and they get outraged. Like, oh what was that? How dare they? Tim would never do that. He would never do that to Tony. As a matter of fact, he did do that to Tony. That is exactly what he did.
1: That's right. And it was ugly.
3: It was very ugly. I got called a misogynist because of the first impression um, you get of Sarek and Amanda's marriage in Tangled Destinies. Because you don't meet Amanda um, in that first scene. Um, you only see that she's really upset because Sarek insisted on following through with the traditions of his people. Um and didn't back down until Spock disagrees. And then they sit in the car and, in their very Vulcan way, both admit that Amanda's happiness is more important to them than their own. And they decide that they're going to take Amanda home to Earth. And they don't ask her. Now, in canon, when we meet Amanda Grayson for the first time, she has not spoken to her only son, the child she birthed. Because Sarek was mad at him. And she hadn't spoken to him since he joined Starfleet. And he was a commander in Starfleet. That's over a decade. That's that's the academy. That's working in the field. That's at least ten years since she has not spoken to her own child. Um, Lady Holder saying fifteen. It's at least ten. It could be up to fifteen. Because Sarek was mad at him. So when I approached Tangled Destinies, I approached it from that angle that, you know, that Sarek was basically in charge of his household and what he wanted to do, he did. And everybody else was required to do it or get disowned. (laughs) And it wasn't... But I I got called a misogynist for my canon portrayal of Sarek in that first um, episode of Tangled Destinies. But I was trying to move him and maneuver him in such a way that I could explain his growth and Spock's development on Earth. And I thought I accomplished it, but the person who called me a misogynist only ever read the the first half of that first story of Tangled Destinies. Then went around the entire fandom and not just Star Trek, but Stargate too. To tell everybody I was a misogynist. Because the first time I saw it, she was actually responding to a wreck Someone did on Sentinels of Atlantis. Um, there was a request in a Finder that was, um, Live Journal, and one of my stories, Sentinels of Atlantis, was rec- was recommended. And this person responded to that rec to say, "Well, you need to watch out for her because she's a misogynist." That's just
1: so bizarre. I don't understand how. And and, and let's say that Sarek was a misogynist. Let's say that that was true that he was, what does that have to do with you? Exactly. Because, I mean, I didn't read it that exactly. way, but sometimes you have a racist character or a misogynistic character. Or, I mean, I got a little bit of flack on emergence from somebody. They didn't call it misogyny, but they might as well have, because Tony gets really anxious about the changes he's going to go through and says he doesn't want to turn into a girl. Yeah. Um, and that was a character That's realistic. choice. I felt like he would realistically be freaked out about that. But I got, you know, what, well, what do I you can't. have against w- women? Well, nothing. nothing. I am one.
0: I
3: I got one. You know, I've got a vagina, and I'm quite proud of it, but my husband wouldn't want to spontaneously grow one. <laughs> <laughs> he, and he And he likes vaginas, too. Just to put that out there for you guys. He loves him some pussy, but he wouldn't want to actually have one grow on his body.
1: I think women are a little bit just the opposite. Is most women I've talked to have said, "Would you want to like have a dick?" And most of them kind of go, "Well, at least for a while, that could be interesting."
3: <laughs> I wouldn't say no for a twenty-four hour trial period. Maybe a week. A week. A, a week would be good.
1: I just need to take some time off work, and then we can get going.
3: <laughs> I'm going to need at least a full day to jack off. <laughs> just put that out there.
1: <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> and then I would definitely like to hit a gay club.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> frankly, you know, also Just there's I, I I would want I'd want the combo pack. I'd be like, if you're gonna give me a dick for a day, I want the prostate too.
3: Exactly. <laughs> I want the whole shebang. <laughs>
1: Don't shortchange me on this. I, but men, you say to men, you, most men, you, would you grow on, on a vagina for a day? Hell no. <laughs>
3: I, You know, but I did get really irritated for a long time in fandom whenever somebody would change the sex of a character. And I even blogged about it once on LiveJournal about how irritating I found it. And then one day um, it stopped being irritating, and I don't know why. But then, you know, I also kind of grew into male preg because um, there was a time when I wouldn't touch that stuff with a 10-foot pole. And now, I mean, you know. I'm open I'm open to it (laughs) You grow as a reader Um, I don't know if I could write it um, But I've I've definitely uh, um, Worked my way into it You know And um, Now, there there is this faction within my reader group that likes to point out that I have, in fact, written male preg. That's because in Atlantean Legacy, Theseus, the city, is male. Theseus is pregnant. Oh. (laughs) But he asexually reproduces, and he spawned his own children. He's gestating. Um. So he so technically I, I I I didn't fight you know, in fact write male preg. Yeah.
1: It's good of your fans to point that out to you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I didn't even no no one I mean, and that book was in beta for a long time. I'm gonna point that out there to you. It was in beta for a long time. And not Lady Holder and not Chris and not the person who did the beta. No one even noticed it. And it gets put up on my site. And a few days later, I get this email. D- so, um, did you mean to my- write me a preg? I thought that freaked you out. And i was like, I didn't write me a preg. I got, no! Oh, wait. <laughs> huh. Maybe I did. <laughs> it's just this weird-ass thing that happened. Hmm. <sighs>
1: I'm a little further on that particular evolution in that I am sort of willing to say, okay, it happens in this universe, but not on screen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this so happened. Like, although you know, I read this story once, and it could be why my my exposure to the first time I ever read Mel Preg, or even a mention of Mel Preg and fandom, um, where I didn't see it coming, was I was reading a Stargate story and. Um, the stargate malfunctions and spits out Ron and Rodney. Ron and uh, John and Rodney's <laughs> biological child. And uh, no, no, no. John has a stargate accident and he ends up on an alternate universe and he meets the biological offspring of. John and Rodney from that universe and he calls the kid an ass baby <laughs> it is terrible it is terrible and that was my introduction into male preg the, the, the first time it ever popped up unannounced in a fic that was it and I was like wow really wow really <laughs> And after that, you know, it was just like, I don't know, I I don't know. I don't consider the Hobbit gardening male preg. I, I don't know. I don't either. I, I, I just it, don't.
1: They're mystical babies for sure, but they're not, you know.
3: Those babies are magic. Those are magic babies.
1: You know, my first mpreg that I read, too, I think was, uh, a, um, oddly enough, an SGA story. And I've never been able to find it again. Um. Because there was there was a lot of impreg in the X Files, but I never would read it, so I knew it existed, but it, you know no, nothing that wasn't going to sneak up on me. So um, I'm reading this, um, and it was funny as hell too. I'm reading this SGA story. I'm pretty sure it was SGA. It might have been SG1, but I'm pretty certain it was SGA. And the first they ran through some alien device, and the first person who runs through this arch or something like that contributes the DNA, and the second person receives the DNA. Uh-huh. And they don't find out about it, <laughs> and it's just like once you run through, you're done because that's the purpose of this device: is to first person gives you the DNA, the second person carries the DNA, and it was like, "Oh, Rodney's pregnant!" <laughs> Whoops!
3: <laughs> and it was so funny. The only thing that's better than magic babies are alien technology babies. Uh huh.
0: <clears throat>
3: but no, I don't. I mean the 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 one that I really, really enjoyed was Surrogate. It was on um, uh, the SGA Big Bang. It's called Surrogate, and I, I forget who wrote it. It's amazing, amazing story. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I've worked myself into male prague. I've, I've worked myself into gender benders. There's a really awesome gender bender story um, series out called The Lollyverse. It's in... Um, Sga and um, it's Meredith and John, and um, she gives Meredith a vulnerability that is amazing, and but it's also still it's also still Rodney in every single way. I mean, and not obviously with the physical stuff, but I mean it's it, it's the same character. It's just a female version. And it's very well done. But Surrogates by Secret Geek, and um, you can find it on AO3. It's an excellent story. Um, John is the one that carries, and um, it's just really good. It's really good. I mean, I would would put it up there with the top 20 stories I've read in Stargate, bar none. You You know, surpassing theme, or, you know, Whatever, just in actual writing, um, there are very few people in Stargate who write as well as Seeker Geek. Just amazing! It's a great writer. I um, I highly recommend all of their work. Read the warnings. Always.
1: <laughs> Never skip the warnings, people. That's true
3: for. That's true for every author. I'm not warning you against reading Secret Geek. What I'm telling you is is that I, I have not read all of Secret Geek stuff because sometimes something will trigger me or or hit me in the warnings and I won't read it. Whatever it may be, uh, there's something that I just don't like to read. It's not a reflection on that author or any other. But when you get a recommendation like that, just, oh, read everything Xanth ever wrote. Be careful, especially with Xanth.
0: <laughs> Word.
3: She's great. She's a great writer. She's got a lot of imagination. but Be careful.
0: She's, she's you know, a brilliant with
3: writer. Me. I mean I think a lot of people um get too comfortable with with my work and they they um like I did have a reader who recently joined my site and was Um, devouring my content and and I watched them go through and like, 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 like like, all through what might have been in Sentinels of Atlantis and I emailed them and they were about two-thirds way through the first season of Sentinels of Atlantis and I emailed them and I said, look, I see where you're heading but do pay attention to the warnings on my stuff Two weeks later, I get an email, and she had made it all the way through Ties That Bind until A Lovely Agony. Now, that story carries the biggest warning I have on any part of Ties That Bind. Um, and that's because I play a character alive. That's what happens in A Lovely Agony. And um,
0: she <laughs>
3: she freaked the fuck out, and I'm not laughing because she freaked out. But uh, she, I, I warned her to read the warnings. I warned her to read it. She did not. And the thing is, is, she didn't even freak out about the flying. She freaked out. Um, she freaked out about the um, uh, the John, you know, John coming just from hurting. Okay, that apparently was really more than she could tolerate. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of people had problems with that. And the no blood way, play I, in I was um, so
1: weird yeah. for me because I was my I admit I was my limits were pushed a little bit with the the, the scene with um oh i am I blanking on his name the flaying scene Jordan. I had a really yeah Jordan I had a hard time with that so I I started skimming. <laughs> Yeah. At one point until I knew it was over. Um, But, yeah, the other didn't tweak me at all. Mm -hmm. Go figure.
3: But Apparently some people had a problem with John's level of sadism in Ties That Bind. And so if you haven't read it or if you're moving into and, and you find a new author, do pay attention to the warnings they give you because they mean it. And just because, you know, I... I move 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 my characters around in my stories and even though I'm writing John here here and here it's the same John but it's not the same John. Uh I you know a lot of people say that the John in Ties That Bind is the hardest version of John but he's not. There's <laughs> what people don't seem to quite get about the John in um What Might Have Been is that he is like just about a half an inch from tipping off the scale into a full-blown sociopath. He's got a lot of alien DNA running around in him. He's got a lot of instincts. And it was... It's love that keeps John basically in the light, so to speak, in what might have been. And... Losing Rodney or his kid or you know a, a brother could push him right over the edge. It, it's it's a very um, dangerous um, edge he walks every day. So John Shepard in what might have been is the hardest version of John that I write.
0: He
2: kills
3: without remorse. He doesn't even get an elevated heart rate. Doesn't. He doesn't, and but the John in well, ties that bind. While he's sexually sadistic, he's also very emotionally open. And that's not true of the John Shepherd and what might have been. Um, and people seem to not get that. <laughs> so I'm like I'm always surprised and kind of horrified when people say that the John from what might have been is their favorite one. Really?
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's your favorite?
3: <laughs> I'm kind of worried about you. <laughs> <Are> you
1: sure? <laughs> Actually,
0: my well, favorite, yeah. I think
3: yeah. I think my
1: favorite John is
0: is hmm,
1: I really like the I really liked your General John from your recent um story from uh The Green and Blue. Um or yeah. uh, why am I blanking on that story name? <laughs> I'm just blank today, um, so we'll just have to go with that. From
3: um, blue to green.
1: From blue to green. And, um, but I also, I really I really like Sentinel John from SOA, so I'm really partial to him as a Sentinel, so it's probably not surprising that I really like both of those. But, think you know, I, I think like I all think of your John It would
3: probably be the Sentinel John. It would be, it would be, it would be this, um, the SOA one for me, too.
0: Because
3: he's, he's open, he's, um, he's, He's in love, and he's protective, and he's strong, and um, a little angsty. Uh, He has no shame when it comes to sex. None. (laughs) None. And I really like that about the SOA verse, is that there's just so much fucking, and no one gives a shit.
0: (laughs) It's just boom, boom, boom.
1: So. Oh. oh, I liked your John a lot. Of your non Sentinel verses, uh, the one I think that sticks out in my head I mean they're also good, but the um the what might have been parallel one, I'm blanking on the name there too.
3: Lantean Legacy.
1: Lantean Legacy, yeah. I like that John a lot. That John's
3: lot too. lost a lot. Um, um he's yeah. lost a lot and he's he's damaged and he's uh codependent. <laughs> And it's really interesting to write that version of him where he's just like, you know, it's 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 him and Rodney against the universe, which mm-hmm. um, I love that dynamic of putting two people together, and I like to have the conflict come from the outside versus the inside. So I like to give um, somebody kind of like a partner in crime. Yeah. <laughs> And then just set the whole world against them. I I, I, I think that's just so much fun. It is. And another
1: one you did where you wrote John, um, really interesting to me, where he struck me as being kind of vulnerable but also had to be really just let that be and be out there and just was exposed to the world and had to be a badass on top of it, was the one, why can't I think of the name, it's the one that um, ooh, the after Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed.
3: Oh, um, where he got outed? Nature?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Human yeah. Human nature. Uh, you know, human nature. I don't even know um where that came from. It wasn't plotted. It just boom, it was there. Emotional clockwork. Is that, is, is that the one you mean? I did, too. Um, emotional clockwork's the one where he has to uh, come to terms with... He doesn't get outed in um, emotional clockwork. He gets outed in human nature.
1: That's the one I'm thinking of, because he's... his. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that that one, it was... Uh, you know, it was... It, Don't Ask, Not it got repealed... Um, Somebody said some things based upon information they shouldn't have shared, and all of a sudden he has to deal with the fact that... Um,
3: the whole city knows he's gay, and that like they have this list of,
0: yeah, of gay people. The list. And not everybody yeah.
3: on the list is gay, um, but he the implication a, is very dangerous.
1: He was such a badass because he's dealing with the fact that he's got all of this... Um, personal information that's out there and people have been speculating about and he has to be the CO and deal with the situation and set his personal feelings aside. And it just was, the the balance in that was just so beautifully written. I love that story.
3: I wrote it, I think, um, that was when Don't Ask, Don't Tell, everything was in the news and um, it was just, it was, you know, kind of like, Snowballed on me, <laughs> and just and I'm thinking to myself, if John was, and this is something that really bothers me in canon. So my my question to myself was, is if Shepard was a good officer, because he's not in canon, um, <laughs> and Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, and he got outed. What would happen? And and that was the basis of of of, of human nature. I will space you and report you AWOL. Yes. <laughs> and you know, in that moment he totally meant that. He totally would have spaced them and and reported them AWOL. So yeah. Instead of sharking somebody and then reporting them AWOL <laughs> which is what he did do in the invisible and re- in the invisible repercussions. Um it was also a response to a scandal I read and got really, really angry about. I was really angry to find about, out about how often sexual assault is hidden in the military. And, um, and just, oh, I was so mad. <laughs> I was so mad. I thought to myself, what would John do if some asshole did that on Atlantis and no one was going to do anything about it? And that's where that came from, you know. You ask yourself a question, and then suddenly your tire isn't so flat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I could just figure out what question to ask myself about criminal minds, I'm not asking for suggestions. Please don't take that as a suggestion, people. <laughs> I don't want emails <laughs> or advice. Is Here's email. a question I really for you. Don't. <laughs> Oh, God, I hate that. I really fucking hate that. Um, But, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you you ask yourself a a question, and it is the beginning of of something um, really, really epic. You know, you ask yourself, well, what if John was a sadist? Or what if... John was a sentinel, and it kind of no balls from there.
1: I asked myself, um, I asked myself questions for all three of my um, six for this rough trade. All of them came from questions, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't normally don't actually do that.
3: brain moving sometimes it does you know what if John and Rodney met in college and Rodney was online and John wasn't and John left what if
1: Azura just Um, says that's the most awesome and scariest question to happen to a writer and it (laughs) is what if what if
3: I I think that as a um writer you have to ask yourself what if what if what if we do this? What if they do that? What if they find a the body? What if someone steals that? How important is that to to my character? What what if it gets destroyed? And how does where does that lead my character? And which is unfortunately, I think a lot of Harry Potter writers have asked this horrific question: What if the Dursleys kill Hedwig? (laughs) I wish (laughs) you stop it! Stop it!
1: Please stop asking that question. Stop it!
3: Stop murdering Uh, that poor owl. I can't tell you how many stories I've read where... Hedwig is a... You know, know, owls are raptors, right? That's a bird of prey. An owl mm -hmm. is a bird of prey. She's not going to be easily murdered outside of her cage by anyone. Without a weapon it, just, So Vernon, no Vernon's not going to strangle Hedwig That's not how that's going to go down It really isn't <laughs> Number one, disbelief she's huge. broken Number two She has claws as big as his hands this is this is not a small little parakeet we're dealing with here, people. And for fuck's sake, Dudley would not be capable of doing it unless he kept her in the cage. Anyways, I'm just stop killing Hedwig. He's <laughs> just really getting on my fucking nerves. Stop it.
1: Yes, quit asking that question. And the sad although thing is, although I was,
3: did have. Oh, go ahead.
1: Also, the sad thing is that so often the answer to that question is of the what happens is not much. <laughs> I it just started hearing feelings ask, and he moves on. Yes, if you're going to ask a profound question like that in a story, do something profound with it.
3: I did. I have a plot bunny. Of course, you know I have upwards of 40 Harry Potter plot bunnies. And I have one, and it started out with a question What if Bane, who's a centaur, Killed Hedwig during their first teachers lessons in third year. Ooh. And he shot. He um he in the story I've written the first scene and he shoots her with an arrow and she doesn't die immediately and, and Harry has her and uh Fox comes the Phoenix every how you say his name and he burns with Hedwig. And when the burning is over there are two little chicks there and one's Hedwig. I may mean, Hedwig a Phoenix.
0: <laughs> because
3: I don't think you can be a Harry Potter rider without turning Hedwig into a Phoenix at least once <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it works. I just think you have. There's just some things you have to write as as a fan fiction writer. You you have to write a Sentinel AU. I don't I don't think you've actually arrived as a, as a fan fiction writer until you've made that transition and until you've done the Sentinel, um, not the fandom itself, but the you know, the, the concept. I think that you have to write a um, a soulmate fic. You have to write a time travel, and if you're in Harry Potter, you have to write a fic where Hedwig turns into something awesome, <laughs> like a phoenix or a griffin, or just whatever, whatever the fuck. Just, yeah, just just something, something amazing.
1: <laughs> the other thing you have to write is it's mandatory for all Harry Potter writers is Harry gets shit. That's <laughs> essential.
0: <the> <laughs> <You.
3: laughs> Harry Harry always goes shopping, and we, mm-hmm. and we discussed this before on my show. But the fact is, is that we all have stuff, and it really bothers everyone that Harry doesn't have stuff. So of course, the first thing they do when they get a hold of Harry Potter is take his little ass shopping because he's been deprived, <laughs> and he needs his own stuff with clothes that fit and shoes.
1: This is important. He needs his own
3: underwear. <laughs> The shit he needs. Mm. It just I mean, I even did it in versus of the Serpent King. He didn't actually go shopping. Um a personal shopper came to him.
0: That's I did the it in Phoenix, way. but
3: Hedwig um um Hedwig went shopping for him
0: <laughs> with a <the> list.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorta. Of. She just he sent a list to you know to, of, of shit. Um I just think you uh, eventually, w- when you're in these fandoms, you you fall into these little fan fiction traps. And it is because they're so much fun. Like, um, badass goblins. <laughs> That's so much fun, you know? We love that. Um, screwing everybody over, time travel, um, fucking shit up. Ruining everything. <laughs> it's just like, just like the world on fire. And you just can't help yourself, I, I guess. Um, I can't help myself. But I don't bother to try. I One of the things I like about fandom is that I get to play, and I don't have to be serious um, unless I want to be. And if I want to 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 swing on a trope, I will swing on it till it falls off. <laughs> and there's no one there to tell me I can't.
1: I love my tropes. I don't try to avoid them. you know. And the funny thing is, I've had conversations with people who are very angsty about the fact that they can't figure out how to do something original. You know, It's like, well, this has been done, that's been done, and everything I find interesting has been done. Well, there's nothing new under the sun, especially not in the Harry Potter fandom. So pick your trope, cuddle with it, and write whatever the fuck you want.
3: Just own it be with it make babies with it and whatever you want to do that's right uh, you know you know, I think one of the there's 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 a lot of freedom to be had in in the fandom in in that respect it's because you, you don't have to um I know a lot of writers struggle with this is um reader expectations um I uh, I don't care about reader expectations, I mean, I I, I think that probably um, I don't know if I'm I, I feel like I should say I'm supposed to, but I don't believe that either. <laughs> I'm supposed to? No, no, i do no. really
1: not. No, doesn't work that way. No, it
3: doesn't work not that way. Not feeling it. Um, even I um, mean, even professionally, um. My the reader expectations are the last thing I consider because um, before I can ever get in front of a reader, I have to meet the expectations of a whole bunch of other people. So by the time it gets to a reader, it's a done deal. Professionally, I've already made my money <laughs> as far as like an advance goes because um, most publishing houses, they give you in advance some money they assume you'll earn you know and I'll get a little piddly checks here and there for the next 15 years or whatever um but I get the bulk of my money up front so I've already met all those expectations that I have to meet with my agent and with my um with my buying editor with my line editor with my proofreader and at that point I've made my money and cashed the check and I know that sounds terrible <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but at that point, I mean, it's a job. You know, as a professional writer, that's a job. So you make your money on a project and you move on. So I don't read re- reviews. I don't read um, reader feedback on Amazon for, um, for, um, for my print titles because I don't care. I've already made my money. That's ugly,
1: right? <laughs> you I think it, it sounds healthy. I think it sounds healthy. I I used to get so wrapped around the axle about oh, are the readers gonna are they gonna think that this direction is weird and you know and the funny thing is is that this, this wasn't even I, I didn't do whips so I published stuff as it was finished and um, and I'd be I'd be neurotic the whole way through so it wasn't even like I had you know. Some people, you know, change course as they're writing based on reader feedback. So I never had that experience of changing course, but I would just angst over well, what do people think this decision is too weird. And you know, I just had to get over that. I just had to start putting that out of my head. So it's much healthier not to,
3: you
1: know,
3: let that stuff. Yeah, I agree. I um, I tend to write in novella short story format for um my series work. Um, The only time I've ever actually posted a work in progress, like I consider what I would consider a work in progress, and that was Dark Places in the Soul. And I think the reason that I got so – I'm not even sure what the word is for this. There was so much pressure because I was writing, I was publishing a work in progress that way. I was posting up chapters on individual novellas. Um, And there was more attention than I expected, and there were expectations that they kept telling me I was required to meet, and oh, you need a beta, I didn't even know what a fucking beta was, I was like, what's a beta? And then when they told me, I was like, really? People do that for free? (laughs) Are you serious? Because I had never heard anything like that in my life. I mean, there were people who didn't even actually write. Who, who were like, just a lot of betas aren't actually writers. Now, some are. Now, my betas are. I prefer to have a beta that's a writer because they give me a, a better, healthier perspective. But there are a lot of betas in fandom who aren't writers. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, what does this even mean? What is Whoa, 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 whoa! What's an alpha reader? Because <laughs> I've never heard that term either. And I was like, Oh, this is like a whole new world for me." And, it, and wait, you're going to do this for free? <laughs> I don't got to pay you by the word for this. Look got news for you: contract editors outside of a professional, like publishing experience. When you pay, when you engage an editor for your original work, you pay them by the word to edit your shit. That's an FYI. <laughs> um an alpha reader is jilly. It's somebody who
1: <laughs> it, it's somebody who looks through they usually do a first read. They're not there to critique your grammar or to correct stuff. They're looking for macro issues, um plot flow, characterization, consistency, and usually it depends on what you want, but do you want feedback on the plot does it make sense that kind of thing so it's really a, a, a an early feedback vehicle um usually when you're still kind of you know in the editing process but i mean i i, I think if i had you know original fiction that i want to get published i would definitely want to get um an alpha reader's perspective on it but i never work with alpha readers um on um fan fiction personally i um
3: well, let me because volunteer. I- if you ever need an alpha reader for your original work, I volunteer. Oh, thank you. I will be your alpha reader. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of fun to say. <laughs> I'll be your alpha. <laughs> Don't tell Senna. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll keep that to ourselves. <laughs>
3: You're
2: already the prime I, you know, alpha. I what think are you talking actually, about?
3: I think actually that Lady Holder does both for me. I think she is both an alpha and a beta reader for me um, because um, we share folders on Google Drive, and I'll drop something in there. I recently dropped um, a, a Hobbit story called um, The Bartered Queen in um, into um, this, and I said, well, just tell me what you think of this. <laughs> just, 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 just read it. Just tell me what you think. And, and then I got a phone call, and she told me what she thought. So, you know, it was just like, um, yeah. What's interesting is is that I did go from someone who got really stupidly irritated with the idea of a male character being turned into a woman to writing it. And I think originally I got really irritated because it was people who didn't want to write gay. Mm-hmm. So they create, so that they, they made one of the characters female, so they could write a het story. And obviously, that's not a problem for me. I don't have a problem writing the gay. <laughs> I think you know. Actually, I I wrote that sex scene from. Uh, I keep mixing up the colors. That's the problem with that title: from blue to green. I wrote the sex scene and I was really super proud of how intimate it was and I was like, Wow, look at me
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> look what I wrote. <laughs> because sometimes you do that when you when you write something, um and you're not it's kinda of hard to explain if you're not a writer, but um you get into this, this groove, this mental scape and, and you're writing and and then when you come out of it, you, you have something, and you read it, and it's almost like it's new to you,
0: mm-hmm. because you were
3: so deep in it that you really weren't. This is going to sound weird. You weren't paying attention to what you were writing, and so then when you pull out and you stop writing and you read it, it's kind of like a surprise. Does that make sense?
0: Hmm. Like yeah.
3: A, yeah, and um. So, yeah, when I finished writing that um, that final part of um, from, from Blue to Green, I was, um, which, by the way, is about their eye color. Um, someone mentioned they didn't get the title. It's about their eye color. Rodney has blue eyes and John has green. And when I titled it, I was, okay, I've got to include that phrase somewhere in my story <laughs> so that readers will get it. And it ends up being in the last part of, of the story there's a line where their eyes meet and um John thinks, you know, from blue to green, you know, it's it's a a connection, an eye connection because i think that um the most intimacy you can have with somebody is m- meeting their eye and communicating with them directly and not averting your gaze, not closing your eyes. And that's especially important, like with sex, keeping your eyes open. I don't know many people who can do it,
0: <laughs> you know? but I
3: tend to keep mine open. I, I don't know why. I, I rarely ever close my eyes during sex,
0: um, and
3: so I wrote that, and I was like, I was, I was like, woo! <laughs> I was really pleased with it. I was, you know, and all times the 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 sex that I write, I, I write it by I write good sex. I I, I I think as a writer, I have really two spaces where I'm really super talented, and that's in dialogue and in sex. I write, I write both very well. I do badly with action. I think action is my biggest weakness.
1: Well, that sex scene, you know... Uh, It it, it was interesting for me as a reader because when I was reading it, you know sometimes in your life you stumble across a scene with people, like a really intimate kiss or something that you clearly weren't intended to see. It was like, oh, that was too private. I shouldn't have seen that. Mm -hmm. That was my reaction to that sex scene. I got to the end of it and went, oh, I wasn't supposed to see that. Oops, my bad. You know what it
3: was? I'll I'll tell you what it was. Um, Because I had that same kind of reaction, like, oh, oh, sorry, John. (laughs) It's when he put his hand on Rodney's hip, and he holds him in place, and Rodney goes really still, and John is moving his thumb over his hip bone. It is... I, I don't know if I picked that up some kind of sex memory that popped back up into my head but that was like, Oh, what? <laughs> I didn't mean to write that. But it was done and I was like, Okay, I'm okay, I'm gonna leave it. <laughs> but that was like I got I kinda got hot in the face when I read it and I got kinda hot in the face now just talking about it. So I think it probably is some kind of latent sex memory. Then we all have them, we all put parts of ourselves into our stories when we write, you know things that happen, things that we see, things that we feel it pops into our writing, but it isn't often for me that a sex ble- bleed, so to speak, ends up in my gay writing. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't happen often, but I'm pretty sure that that's actually a sex memory for me, and it just kind of popped into my story. And Like I said, it, that doesn't happen often, and um, it created it, an, it, an intimacy.
1: It did, and I was reading it, and I was going, huh, I feel like I shouldn't have seen that. And it was lovely, but, wow, I'm all blushing. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> blush when I read sex. That's just absurd. And, no, I did not just get shot, but um, <laughs> let me close that. The fireworks.
3: Oh. Hate them. My neighbors were filming M80s earlier than that. I wanted to smack them on the face. I refrained.
1: We had it going this on until I wanted to till like twelve thirty in the morning, and it was like I don't even—they're legal here. But anyway, people are going to do what they're going to do.
3: I think that on Fourth of July, the cops just go fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> There's just too much. Fuck it. Yeah. Where's my barbecue sandwich? <laughs>
0: no.
3: It's funny because I I uh,
1: um I don't know why, but just in this, having this whole discussion, um, I just got the whole plot for a story downloaded into my head when we were talking about eye color. <laughs>
3: <sighs> okay. Write that shit down. <laughs> I, I I am making notes. Nano, hey, nano's coming up. <laughs>
1: it is coming up. And, and no, I, I actually idea was about that.
3: <laughs>
1: we Could can discuss works?
3: nano. I, I um, was talking in the um, rough trade moderator chat about um, how um, I was going to structure um, the next challenge in November and um, I'm going to call it up close and personal. And what it's going to be is a deep POV challenge where you either have to write in deep third person or in first person, and you can only write from one character's point of view. And, of course, the word count for November is 50K. And
1: you just broke everybody listening to this podcast. (laughs) What, what do you, do
3: you mean, to one to person's point of view? <laughs> How can anybody live like that? <laughs> I think that it's an important writing skill for you to develop, especially those of you who are head-hopping whores. <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but you bitches need to stop. Okay? You need to stop head-hopping. You need to stop putting little stars in the middle of your scene so that you can change POV without a transition. If you cannot naturally transition your POV from one character to another in the same scene, you are no longer allowed to do it. (laughs) If you have to do a scene break, a a, a POV break, stop it.
0: Just stop Or
1: label them or put the name.
0: Oh, God, you just gave me an aneurysm. The worst thing I've
3: ever seen in fandom outside of the author notes inserted into the fucking narrative is labeling POV. Although recently I've been encountering fix, and I don't know what this is, but they look like scripts. They'll have a character's name and then a colon and then dialogue. I have seen this five or six times. I don't know who started this, but fuck you. What were you thinking?
1: (laughs) And if one person does it and they get even like two people saying this was brilliant, six more people are going to do it.
3: And fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in November, if you participate, you can write in first person or in deep POV third person you can write in third person in a deep pov and we're going to discuss um deep point of view in third person in october we're going to have some some uh discussions in the rough trade facebook group and we're going to do i'll probably publish an article or two on rough trade itself um speaking of rough trade it got a new dress today
1: has a lovely dress today <laughs>
3: I, you know, here's the thing. I was actually going to change the way Rough Trade looked about six months after I put Rough Trade up. I kind of got tired of that cowboy dude, but I'm going to tell you why I didn't. It's because I'm a bitch. What happened was, is, uh, what had happened is that um, this person emailed me and demanded that I change the way, um, uh, rough Trade look, looked Because it wasn't safe for work From her point of view And she couldn't read Rough Trade at work And it was upsetting her
1: Oh that's so sad My heart well, I told her to
3: kiss my ass And I waited a year and a half To change it Even though I actually had some art done Not the same art I use today As a matter of fact um, But art um, I had art done to change the Rough Trade that week, and she emailed me like two days before I had it scheduled to do. And so the Hathnake um Cowboy stayed on Rough Trade for another year and a half as a result of her stupid-ass behavior. Anyways, <laughs> Rough Trade looks new. If, if you go over there and you're surprised to see it, it's just a new outside. Everything else is still the same. I just changed the, the colors and the art, literally. That, that's it. Nothing else has um, changed or different. Although the, the subscription thing did fail again. It's not working properly. I've turned it off. I am not going to find another category subscription for you. You're going to have to suck it up and subscribe to the whole site or just stock it. I think every single one of you is capable of that, just stalk it. Just go over there every day, click on the ones you like, and see if there's an update. That's just how it's going to (laughs) be. Because I'm tired trying to figure it out.
1: I think that anything that you have to do fiddly like that that is a complete waste of time and keeps you from writing needs to go away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah,
3: really? I love all that fiddly stuff, I actually really enjoy playing on my website. I'm thinking about doing uh, an art design on Kira, too, since I uh, updated Trade. I feel like I need to give Kira a new look. Um, I don't know what. I used to change my template like every other week when I was on the wordpress.com. They all those big templates, you know, you could just click on it and get a new one. And, oh, people would get so bent out of shape with me it, all the time they would get bent out of shape with me. Because, like, every other week I had a new template.
1: Hmm.
3: But I've had that template for four years.
1: See, I love doing fiddling shit, well, t- t- but not yeah. when it's demanded of me. I don't like, right. no. Don't tell me what to do. And, and, then, and then I always use the bludgeon of, I could have been writing, cause otherwise I'm dealing with this crap for you.
0: <laughs> I can't tell you how many times
3: I've ended an email to a reader where they've pissed me off and thank you because now I can't write because now I'm too mad at you <laughs> and it's true when I get really mad I can't write now if I'm irritated I tend to go write on Big Day Love in Canada but if I'm mad I can't write I can't do anything but be, but be mad mm-hmm. I'm like stuck being mad a lot mad i think i'm sexist by the way i because uh, not towards women obviously um towards men and i'm gonna tell you why um i have gotten like 10 friends requests in the past three days on facebook and i have friended every woman and told every man no Well, (laughs) I could say things I really shouldn't. (laughs) I'm going to say some shit I shouldn't, but I don't care. Men on Facebook creep me out. Either they're creepy and trying to ask me sex questions about Harry Potter and the soulmate bond, which I get a lot of, by the way, or they're all creeptastic on Emma Watson, or worse, worse. They want to flirt with me and talk me into having cyber sex with them. And I'll tell you why. Because I do write sex very well. And it's not just straight men. I want you to know this it's not just straight men. I've had two different gay men in the past six months on Facebook ask me to cyber with them and pretend to be a man.
1: I have nothing.
3: (laughs) <laughs> right? Right, really? I actually had a reader early on who refused to believe I wasn't a woman. I mean, that I was a, that, that he was convinced that I was a man pretending to be a woman in fandom, and nothing I said convinced him otherwise. I think he can listen to this podcast and still believe I'm a man.
1: Okay. Your denial doesn't change the facts, dude.
3: He said that um he said that it was impossible for a woman to write gay sex the way I did.
0: I'm like, I don't okay. know whether to be like
3: flattered that you think I write really, really realistic good good gay sex or pissed off that you think I'm not talented enough for that shit. Fuck you <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> We can be flattered and pissed off. I can hold two emotions at once.
0: 'Cause
3: I'm a woman. That's right. <laughs> I can be both mad and flattered. That's how I roll. But it's just <sighs> Yes. Yes. I actually have had two men ask me to cyber sex with them in the past six months and pretend to be a man while I was doing it. You creepy motherfuckers. <laughs> just, just, oh. I think that cyber sex is stupid. I have never um, done it. I uh, Phone sex is moderately less stupid, but still quite stupid. Because, gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. When I'm in the mood to masturbate, it's because I don't actually want a man involved. It's just going to be about me. So I don't want to be on the phone with you either
1: right now. But if I
3: wanted you involved, you'd be, like, naked in bed with me. (laughs) My husband took a trip, a business trip, and um, he calls me, and we chat for a while. And um, I'm thinking to myself, please, please, please don't ask me. Please. And we'd only been married about, well, we were living together. We weren't married yet. We'd been together about a year. I'm thinking, please don't ask me you know, phone sex with you. And I'm thinking it, and I'm thinking it, and then he says, okay, well, I'm tired, and I'm going to go to sleep. I was like, well, thank God. <laughs> and he's just not that type. He's, just, he's, he's not particularly, He doesn't. he's not interested in that. And I was, like, really relieved, because you never know what your man's going to do until they do it.
1: So true. You, you can
3: live with a man ten years, and they'll still surprise you, and be like, what? <laughs> what the fuck did you just do? Where did, where did that, come, that from? come from? Where, where have you been hiding this? And
1: then they'll say something like, "Why well, didn't I've I have known bring for it up twenty
3: years?" And
1: they'll say, "I didn't bring it up sooner because I thought you might think it was weird." You're right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's weird. <coughs> you were right. Don't ever do Good it call, again. Dude. And the biggest problem with
1: cyber sex, is, well, aside from the fact that, you know, a typo can really ruin the mood, um, is that if you're going to actually, you know, get busy, you're going to actually masturbate to cyber sex. I mean, everybody's, everybody's kind of, you know, as long as both hands are involved in the typing, things are moving along at a good clip. But once one of you decides to get busy, it's like, you know, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the girl, you
3: know, we have toys that we can attach and turn and on. sit on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you I don't how know how you do, do it.
1: You have this yeah. whole, you know, this whole discourse that has gone from being sort of, you know, hot and steamy to being monosyllabic, and it's kind of like, well, that just went to hell real fast.
3: Um. But that isn't the creepiest thing that I've ever had a man ask me to do. I um actually I a job I, I worked, um, they knew that I was a writer, um, just everybody in general knew that I was a writer and a few people knew that I wrote uh at the time I was uh a cousin had talked me into um I wrote letters for Penthouse. You know, the Penthouse Um, forum Mm -hmm. and you got paid by the word okay and so I wrote um, in the 90s I wrote upwards of let's put it to you this way I went to um, I did not have a job my junior and senior year of college because pit house forum paid for college wow Um, I got paid by the word, and I wrote upwards of – there was one issue. I think I wrote half the letters in it. Um, I think I wrote, like – I was getting paid $700 to $800 a month to write for for Penthouse. Anyway, I uh, stopped – I graduated and I came home, but I kept writing because that was really good money. <laughs> it was good money, okay? Um, and I actually was embarrassed to admit this. I'm a little pink in the face even even talking about it because it's so trashy. And um, I uh, I never admit this. I never admit this to anybody uh, in my real life. Um, but my cousin um, was very open and frank about what she did. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the saying? She probably, you probably did read some of my penthouse letters. Anyway, um, this man I worked with asked me to write a dirty letter for his wife. From him to his wife.
1: Um, <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. The, yes. Problem, the
1: problem with stuff like that is, you know, it, then they expect you to be able to do it again. And it's the never-ending cycle of, you know, (laughs) ghostwriters.
3: It became this thing where he kept asking me to do it, and um, I uh, kept putting him off, uh, because it was like he was not quite a supervisor, but he was in a position to make my job difficult, and I was trying to, you know, just trying to get by. And finally I said, okay, it'll be $500. Mm -hmm. And once I put a number on it, he went away.
1: Okay. I was like, please tell me he didn't agree to
0: that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, I said, so a one-page letter will be about 500 words. Um, it will be a dollar a word is 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 how I worded it. Um, and um, he went away, and he never asked for that again. So not that I expect you to encounter a situation like this, but if you do – Quote them a ridiculous amount of money, and they'll probably go away. <laughs> Just so I speak from experience. <laughs> but I did I, I did write for Penthouse. I I never wrote for Hustler, although my cousin did. Um, Hustler was a lot worse, and they were cheaper. You didn't get paid as much for them as you did um, Penthouse. And, um, so keep in mind, if you're a Penthouse forum reader, that there's probably a large portion of that that is um, not actually – Readers sending penthouse letters.
1: I never actually it's professional thought that writers.
3: was. Yeah, it's professional writers pretending to be readers, pretending to be sexually freaky
0: pizza boys. <laughs>
3: and really hot plumbers. <laughs> 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 penthouse is a pornographic magazine, and penthouse... Forum is a um a spin off of Penthouse magazine which is like Playboy. It's full of naked women and mostly crotch shots and tits. Um and Penthouse Forum is like what it started out is like letters letters to the editor and and they would get published in penthouse and they were um, really explicit sex stories that people were like telling the editor of penthouse and then it got spun off into its own magazine and so it was like a whole big magazine of penthouse letters and those letters are predominantly written by professional writers who get paid by the word to write filthy, dirty sex that men jerk off to you in the basement.
0: <laughs> it just makes it
3: so much more tawdry. And <laughs> dirty. <laughs> um, but yeah. I remember I used to get author copies and I actually <laughs> actually had several copies of Penthouse forum and my mom, found. <laughs> she called me, I come home, and I left them on my desk in my room, right? This is my junior year of college. And uh, my mom calls me, and she says, honey, I found a stack of magazines. And um, I said, oh, mama, you found the house forums. And she was like, um, what are you doing with these? And I'm like, writing dirty letters for money? Can
0: you, can you send those to me? okay.
2: <laughs> she didn't even.
0: They came in the mail the next week.
1: <laughs> Your mom is a riot.
3: <laughs> didn't even. Uh, she and I were out today, and um, we were looking for buttons. Um, and we were over in this uh, craft store looking for buttons. And um, I kept picking up buttons to show her, and no, I don't like, like those. And um, I said, Well, why do you got to be so difficult? And she said, I am 62, and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I said, Number one, you're 60, <laughs> and it's perfectly okay for you not to give a fuck. 62? I was like, "Yeah, 62? And we had this big argument about it. I said, Mama, what year is it? And she told me, I said, now what year were you born? I said, do the math. <laughs> She's going to go around for months thinking she was 62. I'm really concerned about her mental health, um, you know. And then, uh, so later on, we're um, at the cafe, and um, we're sitting there, and she hits me on the arm. And I said, well, because I have my headphones on. Uh, not that she just hits me out of the blue. She just wanted my attention. And um, she said, I get a discount at the buffet down the street from my house if I say I'm 62. That's why I've been saying it. Ah. I, said, so I said, So you're, how much of a discount? She said, $2. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you artificially aged yourself for $2. She said, yeah. She said, I have really good biscuits and gravy. I'm like, okay, Mama. <laughs> what else can you say, right? <laughs> what else? You got, my mom's lying about being a senior, or more or less senior than she is, more senior than she actually is, to get a senior discount. I think that's kind of awesome. I got no mom. (laughs) The thing is, is my mom and I, I regularly pass for sisters. I'm surprised they haven't carted her. I keep waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cart her one day. Ma'am, you lied. (laughs) Give us our biscuits back. (laughs) I told her to be careful because I said, what if they ban you from lying? Then your whole biscuit source would be cut off. Then what would you do?
1: Don't mess with the biscuit provider. That's bad juju. <laughs> I
3: know. I agree, right? And, um, <clears throat> yeah, anyways. <sighs> now, have you finished your first reference story?
1: Well, I'm almost done with it. I just need to, you know, do the whole thing. You know, well, okay, we'll actually be together. Part of it, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started it, but you know, I h- I had to spend ten thousand words treating them badly, so I guess I can put you know a couple more thousand words into treating them nice. <laughs> of course,
0: <sighs>
3: torture, character torture. I actually, I was really
1: surprised because um, when I was, I there was a whole scene I had cut out in my scene notes. Um. And uh, because I was like, "There's no, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have words for this," and, you know, because I'm, I'm. Be kind of wordy usually, and then I get to the story, and I'm I'm like three thousand words under from where I expected to be, and I went, "Oh, huh. I get to put back in that scene that exists just to make me amused." <laughs> So that was good. Meanwhile, so I'm, I'm under budget.
2: I am.
3: Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to hit 20k on my HP story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I. That could be my minimum on a Harry Potter story. is 20k. But I, I, this is my second time trying to do 10 or 15 and not meeting it. So I think I'm just going to have to admit defeat and say, okay, Harry Potter's at least 20. I mean.
1: You were 25 last last summer, right? Really? We're close to 25. I got to oh, bring it was up bullshit. It was 20. <laughs> maybe, it was, maybe it was 20. I don't know. <laughs> I For some reason, I thought it was 25. But I was thinking if it was 25, you could just say, okay, I'm going to shave 5,000 off a year <laughs> until I get it down to 15. But well, maybe it was 20 last time. Listen
3: to her bringing up shit. <laughs> <laughs> bring it up. No, yeah. I, probably, I mean, it definitely was like 25, I think. Well, but last it was year it. our goal it was between twenty and
1: twenty-five. Last year our goal was ten k, not fifteen. Yeah, it so was. I <laughs> blew it. I blew it. I wrote twenty-five k last on the time on the Harry Potter. I was right at the. I actually wordsmithed the ending of my, um, a Atlanta story to make it exactly ten thousand right. words when I posted it, which <laughs> just you know just because, um, but the. Uh, <laughs> I went 25K on the Harry Potter story, and I couldn't figure out how to make it any shorter. It was like, I can't take anything out. So, yeah, I was like, I just, I actually just made blow the this, maximum,
3: I made the maximum word count 15K to give myself a cushion. And I still don't think it's going to be enough. Because I also didn't think that I could leg- legitimately tell hmm. the participants, okay, your minimum is 10, your maximum is 20, and you have three stories to write in a month. I don't think they would have handled that really well. Um, You never know. But Harry Potter does tend to go big. Um, I actually, uh, my cousin suggested that um, we do a big book challenge, and I'm on the fence about it. It won't be this year, but it might be next year. Um, And a big book challenge is um, basically... (laughs) I don't, even want to, I don't even want to say this out loud because people run screaming into the night. Um, it's 5K a day. Okay. <laughs> You're like, okay. Oh, it's 5K a day and your goal is 100K.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, that doesn't bother <laughs> me, but I could see that you just traumatized like most of the writers, yeah. But now it depends and I was, you know, if you asked me to do 5K a day in The Hobbit, I would sit down and cry. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if there were any the <laughs> that wouldn't work.
3: <laughs> I have done 5K a day, and I did it with original fiction. Um, um, I've also um, uh, did uh, 10K a week. Um on a uh, challenge once. It was 10K a week for a year.
1: That could be fun.
3: But it wasn't on one story, obviously, because that would be um, 520,000 words. Uh, But, um, yeah, we started um, January 1st. We wrote 10K a week. I wrote six books in a year.
1: I think 10k a week is really doable. That's an interesting challenge because that's, you know, I can't do that kind of math in my head, but it's not.
3: Well,
0: okay, 10 um, It's less, 10K than, it's less than
1: 1,500. A days. Less than 1,500 words a day, so that's that's completely reasonable. It's well,
3: 14.28 a day, 520k for the year. If you average out and say you're going to write seven books, that's seven books at seventy-four thousand words a piece. I think I wrote six books that year.
1: And the thing is, hard to get past is when you are trying to reach um, some kind of word count goal. Um, like getting something written every day, whether it's 1,000 words or 1,500 words or 5,000 or whatever it is, is when you really want to get the word just right, is you do have to just write. So like yesterday I got stuck on a word for 45 minutes, one word. I couldn't think of what it was, and I refused to move past that point in the story until I figured out my word. And if you are really trying to write Just you know, get words words on the page. You you can't get let yourself get into stumbling blocks like that. It's almost, for me, it's almost it's like it's self indulgent to let myself get tripped up over small stuff when I'm trying to like get a rough draft out. Does that make sense?
3: Mm Mm-hmm. So, as curiosity, what was the word?
1: Collapse.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry. I was expecting something a lot. I don't know, more robust. I don't know. Just something, you know. Really? Well, it, wasn't,
1: it wasn't that I couldn't think of the word collapse. It was like I had, I had, I had in the story. I had had. Um, um, Tony starts off a story with sensory fatigue, and then as the story progresses, we're moving into sensory exhaustion, and then at the part that I just posted, I'm like, what's after that? What is the complete sensory meltdown? And I couldn't come up with anything. And so I was sitting there, and I just was like, what would the complete sensory meltdown be called besides complete sensory meltdown? <laughs> so I came up with hypo and hypersensory collapse.
3: I like those terms. I'm going to steal them.
1: Go for it. <laughs>
3: I'm, so I'm also going the to high- steal her sentinel hunt. I'm definitely stealing that. <laughs> I'm going to be all up in that. That's just like the most amazing. I have never actually seen that in a sentinel story. In her story... Tony gets permission to hunt as a sentinel and execute a threat. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you to what. You have to read it. Um, and I think that is the most amazing thing I've ever re- read in a sentinel. Fic. I was like, whoa, what? And I have read a lot in the sentinel fandom, and I have never seen anything like that. I was just like, really? You just turned him into a hit sentinel?
0: <laughs> it's
3: amazing.
0: I was like, what is that? I had never
3: seen that before. I mean, I've never seen that before, and I read a lot um, in the Sentinel fandom before they hurt my feelings. And um, I read a lot of um, Sentinel crossovers, and I've just, I've never seen that before. So I'm really fascinated with that whole thing. It could become a trope. <laughs> that would be awesome. We can go on Sentinel Hunt. <laughs> and I um <laughs> I wanted to
1: do the idea of like what happens if a sentinel gets so overstressed with their senses that they all dial off which would be the hyposensory collapse and then it and I put that it puts them into shock and that if all of their if they zone on all five senses at once so they hypersensory collapse which puts them into a coma. So, um I decided that I wanted to I but I did I spent 45 minutes angsting over those terms, which when I'm in challenge month is not the time for me to be self-indulgent about <laughs> angsting over a word for 45 minutes.
3: I did have a little mini um, writing vortex myself. Uh, and, but mine was um, about um, orgasm and a female sentinel. And uh, it actually came up when I was taking care of my own business this morning. <laughs> I was like, huh, how would that be for a female sentinel, especially one um, who's really ramped up or having, having a problem? And I can see that causing a sensory spike, and I can see that pleasure turning into an immense amount of pain. You know, and not just in a centralized area, but your whole body kind of responds to an orgasm, I and mean, your toes curl, mine do anyway. I have great ones. Just put that out there for you, because I don't... <laughs> I'm really proud of it. I have great ones. My toes curl, you know, I get a little chill. <laughs> and what would happen to a female sentinel in a sensory spike? What would happen? And it would be, you know, like, so I... uh I kind of got messed up with that in my plot, and I had to work with it. So that was, you know, I had a little moment myself. It wasn't over a word, but over a concept. So we all have those little um, snags when you're writing. You have to stop and go, huh, what should I do with that? And you start, or I start with a plot, and I plot, and I plot, and I plot, and I do all my research in advance so that when I'm writing, I won't have these little vortexes where I get um, sidetracked and I don't write at all. I don't stop to um, research a lot when I'm writing. I've done all the research in advance, which means sometimes I can plot and, ad- I can plot and research for six months before I even start writing on a project, um, which is also terrible because uh, you can get kind of bogged down in that research phase and never get out of it on projects. I've got three or four projects that I have literally spent years um, twiddling with that I've never got to the point where I'm willing to write because I got kind of stuck in that research I know it's not. Sometimes, stupid,
1: even when I think I'm well we prepared, it. even if even when I think I'm I'm set, like this is good to go, I sit down and start writing sometimes and I go, whoa, I'm underprepared. Because <laughs> I usually. Well, I had that problem with.
3: Yeah. Go ahead. go ahead. I had that problem with Ties at Bind. I stopped mid sexing when I realized I needed kink colleges. <laughs> holy shit I mean, kid colleges I had to stop three weeks later I, I resurfaced and let's just say the market decide was a real fucking freak <laughs> total freak I don't mean that in a good way so I yeah so I got I thought I was ready I was not ready I had to figure out terms and figure out how long they would do it, and then I was like, How do I talk about it? What's it mean? And then, of course, oh, you know, oh, let's do tattoos. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just like, I thought I was ready. I got all the way to that first sex scene, I was not ready. <laughs> I was not ready. <laughs> and it's really interesting how much of ties that bind is sort of glued together with these kink schools, I mean, literally. And so I don't know what was holding it together before, (laughs) so don't ask me. I have no clue. I have no clue what was holding it together before. I really don't.
1: Well, your subconscious must have known that that was coming.
3: Seriously, because that because it really does weave into the entire series, but it wasn't there when I first plotted it. Um, and then you know, when you write, you kind of move things around and glue things together and push things apart and push them, and you know, make your own path. And so, you know, it lo- it looks natural by the time it gets to the reader, but it wasn't there originally. And I don't know what was. I don't know what was holding it together before. Because I plotted all the way up to the trial. John's trial in the North Star. Oh. <laughs> that tells you anything. With no kink colleges. <laughs> With no kink colleges. And so then I had to go back and research it. Then I had to blend all that stuff into the entire plot. Sorry, did that ruin the mystery of ties that mine for you guys? <laughs> Not My me, <laughs> So, yeah,
0: that's just, yeah.
1: Well, some things you get into and you get started in them and you kind of go, oh, wow, this is turning out to be a lot more complicated than I expected because, I I don't know, sometimes I'm really good about the world building. Because for me, I separate plot and world building, plotting and world building pretty extensively. So if I'm doing something that's Mm -hmm. really AU, um, the world building, some of the world building may never appear in the story. um, Yeah. But, but I need, need to know, know it so that
3: it's back yeah, there in the exactly. back
1: of your head, yeah. Um, but sometimes I can think that I, I was all prepared, um, and then I get to writing and go, well, what about, and what about, and what about that? And I go, okay, well, I didn't answer, like, 15 critical questions in my world building, and back to the drawing board. Right? Either that or some fandoms are just extremely complicated. Um the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, um, and you get started Harry writing Potter. them, and you go, and Harry Potter, yeah, the, you know, anything with a big fantasy element in it, and you're gonna, you get into it, and you just kind of go, holy shit! I scaled down. Harry Potter my,
3: um, is so big,
1: it was epic. Okay. I was gonna say, I scaled down my Hobbit thing in April so tremendously because I got started writing, and I was just every five seconds I was stopping, I'd write three words, and go, oh. I didn't look up, and then I'd be like, oh, I didn't look up, and then, oh, I didn't look up, and then I got really just so I was so frustrated with diacritical marks that <laughs> I couldn't function. And I wasn't even thinking logically by that point about putting them into autocorrect so that I didn't have to do pasting mm. in all those stupid diacritical marks or looking up the codes to put yes. them in, the umlauts yes. and the cute accents and stuff. Anyway, Um And I would spend, because normally if I spend like four hours solidly writing, I'll get, you know, at least five or six thousand words out, at least. And for me to spend like 10 hours and produce 1,500 words, I was just ready to rip my hair out. And, it got better as I went on, but, you know, my whole computer got rearranged for The Hobbit. I had maps up all over the place and dictionaries up and, like, 30 tabs open in a browser I never used for reference purposes, and it just fried my brain. I was like, I'm never doing this again.
3: There was that moment when I was writing. Um, I had plotted out Bees and Her Feet, and my plot's about 150K. Um, and I plotted out it, and I started working on it a little bit, playing with it, and, um, Then I reached that moment when I realized I was going to have to research trees and flowers to figure out what their meanings were. Uh, Yeah, ten hours later, (laughs) got all that figured out. Yeah, it's just you know, you can you can plan all you want. You can plan and you can plot and then when you get into it, when you get into the meat of it, you're you're going to encounter a situation every single time that you did not prepare for. And then you have to stop and prepare for it and and do it and it's okay. It's it's fine. Um it's just part of the process. Um, Solus Amazons, I keep a Word document with those words in it so I can copy and paste. Here's something you can do, Solus, in Microsoft Word. If you go into your options, there is an autocorrect dictionary. You can type the word that you want. Then you can paste the word you want it to be, like, you, and so that Microsoft Word autocorrects it as you type. So if you put Keely and Feely in your autocorrect, where you type, like in one box you put it the way you would type it, and in the other box you put it in the way you want it to appear in your text. When you type it as you're writing, Microsoft Word will automatically um, add that accent mark for you if you put it in your auto um, correct menu. Or if you don't want to do that, at the end of your story, or like whenever you're um, ready to stop for the day, you can do a mass copy and replace. You can do a find and replace, like find the word that you want to replace, then copy and paste the word you do want to use in that spot, like if it's D's or Keeley or Feely or Owen or whatever, just whatever name you want to put in it, you can do a mass find and replace so you don't have to copy and paste as you go along, just an FYI. Or stop and do that whole keyboard trick. But I prefer the auto-correct method. Because once you've done it, now, it takes a while to do it. You've got to do your whole list in there. But once you've done it, it's done forever until you change computers. And you don't have to worry about it.
1: And once you suggested that, it's like all of a sudden I was not stopping every five seconds to – so I don't like depending on myself to remember to go back and do stuff. Um, Uh Even though I keep an editing log of stuff I need to do – you just you never know what you're going to miss. So I typically I right. make too much of a too much of a fuss budget to just let things go. So, but once you suggested that, I was like, of course, autocorrect. And then I did stop and spend an hour getting all the names in with all the right accents and stuff. I have a
3: word or two that I consistently misspell, and so that's where the autocorrect comes from for me because I never spell these words right. Ever, because it's just the way I type them, and I move, move, move. And I've been doing it, I've been writing for 25 years, and I've been writing on a typewriter or a computer for 25 years, and I have these keyboarding quirks that I'm never going to um, get rid of. It took me a long time to get rid of the double space after a period. That's how I was taught to type on a manual typewriter. But in modern word processing, doing that double space after a sentence is um, terrible. And I was also informed by my editor that it was arrogant to make my typesetter have to make that change for me because I couldn't bothered um, be bothered to do it. And I was like, oh, that's not really what, okay, I'll fix it. <laughs> that took me a long time to get out of the habit of doing that there are some quirks that I have that I'm never going to get rid of. So autocorrect is my, um, my my friend. And I do do a mass copy and replace at the end of every document that I do to get rid of my double spaces because I still do tend to do it. So if you replace a double space with a single space, um, it will get rid of all your um, double spaces that you accidentally put into your document as you're typing. But I do occasionally still do it. So I, I always do that the last thing I do is do that mass replace on the double space. Any other word tricks? Um.
1: Hmm.
3: Now you do something that I thought was really interesting because you talked about on WordPress how you um, you pull out all your paragraph breaks. Was it find and replace? Mm-hmm. so that you don't get that double space in your WordPress. Um, now, see, I copy and paste mine into WordPress, flip to the text, pull it out, put it in a text document, and delete that thingy. I do a final plus on that thingy. I had never thought about doing it in Word where you go in, because Word automatically puts a paragraph break in your work when, you're, when, when you hit enter. WordPress picks that paragraph break up and does a double break, so you get two big spaces some um, lines between each of your paragraphs. And I'd never thought to do a um find and replace on the paragraph break until you mentioned it in um or in um Facebook.
1: So. yeah, it's the carrot C. Um
0: Yeah.
1: And you can replace two with one or replace it with a line break which is carrot L. Um Yeah. So there's a few ways to do it. And and because each um, WordPress and AO3 need very similar formatting I found um in terms of what you mm-hmm. paste in. Um so now from my observation I don't actually I I only ever did a, a test thing on Fanfiction.net but they need the actual opposite, which is the double paragraph break. Um mm-hmm. but if you don't post to FFN, whatever you do for um WordPress will work for AO3 as well. At least from in my process it works seamlessly.
3: Mm. Live journal, I think, um, is okay. You just copy and paste it right in, and it's um, most of the time. So sometimes you'll get a uh, two paragraphs that are kind of stuck together, but for the most part, it copies the formatting from Word directly, and you don't have any problems. Mm-hmm. But um, it's better That's to do it in when
1: text you...
0: than it is to do it.
1: In... It's usually because you got a, sh- a line break in, um, which all that, you know, people don't realize how many line breaks creep in because they accidentally had the Shift key held down when they hit Enter. And next, you know, you've got a line break as opposed to a paragraph return, or a hard return, and um, right. And so they, that when you when you see a paragraph with no space in it, um, it's probably because you have got a line break that's snuck in. So I always, you know, I'm, my my post when I'm done editing list um, has um, like looking for paragraph breaks and looking for line breaks and making sure that I've got what I want where I want. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm exceptionally fussy, so. Um, I don't know how much of the weirdo things I do on the back end would actually ever help anybody else.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's just for you, it's
3: just for you. I mean, I do all kinds of little weird things for myself that are literally just for me that I doubt anyone else gives a shit about. Like, for instance, on all your project files, I resized a lot of your images. No one ever calls me on it, so I don't guess you actually care. But it bothers the shed of me when they don't match.
0: <laughs>
3: it does me too. <laughs> and sometimes I correct your typos. I'm not gonna lie. And so and so oh, especially in comments, if you have a misspelled word in the comment and I noticed it, I'm gonna edit your comment to fix your spelling. It's just one of those quirks you're gonna to have to put up with. I, it's what I do, and I can't even help it. The first time I did it, I felt really bad. I thought, "Oh my god!" I, but no, <laughs> it's just something I do. It's one of my little quirks. You're just gonna to have to put up with it.
1: I, I, People I can't will get over it. it. Even although you know, I am. Um, I corrected that somebody's typo on my site once. A typo, and they actually commented before I was finished correcting the typo, because they can't re-edit their own comments on my site. Right. Um, they actually commented before I was done correcting it, saying, oh, my God, I just saw this typo. <laughs> and I was like, oops, not anymore.
0: I think it's it. That You're shit. welcome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome.
0: <laughs> I just I
3: can't help myself. You're just going to have to put up with it. And that's especially, I suppose, that whole thing about reformatting and uh, uh, resizing your banners, um I'm not sorry. <laughs> it's just I can't help myself. You're just going to have to put up with it. I just I can't. I can't not do
0: it. That, that's,
3: that's why you'll notice everybody's project files look almost the same. That's because I went in behind everybody and edited them. So that you guys matched. <laughs> as much as
0: possible.
1: Well, several times people didn't use their banners in their project files, and I was like, I my, my hands are itching to put their banners in.
3: <laughs> Sometimes I do. If they're easy to find. If, if I can find their banner in the media files when I'm doing their project file, when I'm approving it, I'll stick it right in there. I bet I suck in 20 or 30. Because <laughs> if, if the banner is really easy to find, I am sticking it on your, profi- your, your project file. I'm not sorry. It's just... I'm not. <laughs> it's just a thing. It's just a it's thing. It's a thing. We'll I think most participants actually don't even give a fuck. I don't know if they even look at their project file after I post it. It's like... Some of them I know don't look at it before. <laughs> just come on. Like that, woman, that one person who broke the whole site...
1: That was hysterical. They, <laughs>
3: they
1: they moved some code into the well. I'm flipping through the preview and I'm looking at and I and I get to this page and I I I literally twitched in my chair like hard like I made like the desk rattle. I was like, what the fuck? Why does this whole page render finished. differently? And I so I you know I had to go figure out why the page was rendering differently than every other page on the site, and it was the closed table the close um, tab code was in a table which caused the rest so of weird. the page to It was so
3: weird. It was the weirdest thing. It
1: caused the rest <laughs> of the page to render inside the table which put the the like the the only way you saw the the share buttons and the like buttons they were on the third tab and I just like <laughs> yeah. my brain exploded
3: I was like <laughs> I just like, no, no, to fix that? On. you could not do this uh, you know, last time I had this person who did uh, their two project files and they um, they didn't close the tab. And the tabs are those things you guys slip through on the project file so you can see all the cool stuff that people put on their things. But if you don't close it, when you do a preview, the damn thing looks blank. I was like, why did this woman submit two blank? project files. And so I go in there and she hasn't closed her tabs on both projects. So all her content was there. It was just invisible because the code wasn't closed. And if you don't close code then basically it disappears on you or it gets fucked up and you get this big block of H T M L crap. You know, either way, you're not going to get what you're supposed to get. You have to close your your code. And so, but, yeah, people do all kinds of weird things. They don't copy and paste the whole code I give them. You guys, I give them a template. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I give them a template, and all they have to do is copy and paste it into the text box, and there are even Jilly did some tutorials on YouTube, and we got them linked, and people still fuck it up. She literally does it for you on the video. And checks everything. And there's a preview button on the page where you can preview your work to see if you've done it correctly. Out of all the project files posted, I think there were only like maybe 15 or 20 that I did not edit in some fashion or another that has nothing to do with my image quirk or spelling. (laughs) people don't pay attention to me and they delete their emails before the fucking challenge even starts but i'm not bitter
0: <laughs>
3: i'm not no I'm not bitter at all that's okay though
1: um so this challenge has been great i have what i've had time to read so far has been awesome have you been happy with how this came out I mean two hundred some really stories.
3: A lot of fun. I'm surp- I'm surprised by just um it's just a, there's just an epic amount of talent on Rough Trade this time and um uh it's just well, you know, every time there's always lots of talent. But there's just a lot of people. I, I, this is our biggest rough trade to date. Um both in word count and content and, and participants. Um It was just trying to be a really popular challenge, and um, it's just really, really cool to see all these stories coming together and seeing all these different fandoms. And I was really honestly surprised by how many um, fandoms there were. There there are over 100. I didn't expect that. I expected the challenge to be roughly, um, I don't know, like 60% Stargate. (laughs) I really did expect a lot of Stargate. And maybe some Hawaii Five O and um, some NCIS. I expected a lot of NCIS. I, but there were just a lot of surprises, like Bones. Bones was a big surprise, but it's so interesting. You know, it's just it's just been a really a really interesting challenge. It's just surprising in a, in a lot of ways. And I, I wasn't expecting it to go the way it has, and it's just been really cool. We're down to a minute and ten seconds. Um, there is there's some supernatural as well. Um there's some Teen Wolf. I kind of expected some Teen Wolf. And um so you guys go over to Rough Trade, check out my new design, look at my pretty picture, and read some sentinel crossovers and I may or may not do a show tomorrow. It just depends on how my writing goes. And um I hope you guys had a good, safe Fourth of July, and you're not too drunk as you're listening to my show. And say good night, Jillie.
1: Good night, everyone.
3: <laughs> Remember, no ass to mouth.
1: There's always time for lube.
0: Shut, Shut up, 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 up and sit down. down. back. Can't wait for summer? Old Navy's huge summer sale starts now. All jeans, all tees, all dresses, and all shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Jeans start at $15 for adults, $10 for kids. Shorts from $12 for adults, $7 for kids. Buy online and pick up in-store for free today. All jeans, tees, dresses, and shorts are on sale up to 50% off. Now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 56 to 512 excludes in-store clearance, active licensed men's packaged, and flag tees. 500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Bill Penny Mitsubishi during May- Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will
1: accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win
0: $5,000 $5,
1: with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com.
2: To qualify buyers on a credit, warranty valid for 10 year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details.